the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules contain 100% fine ripened fruits and vegetables, tested pure with no pesticides, fillers, or additives of any kind, and are the most effective whole food supplements on the market today. You might ask, how can over 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables fit into six vegetarian capsules? Fruits and vegetables are on an average 85% water. Balance of Nature uses cold vacuum technology to remove the water, leaving only the whole food. We don't use any heat, air, or light drying methods that damage nutrients. Our cold vacuum technology maintains 99% of the fresh fruits and vegetables' original nutritional value. Along with diet and exercise, Mother Nature provides fruits and vegetables to help us maintain good health. To order, go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751. That's 1-800-246-8751. Use the special promo code PODCAST expressing that opinion, then he got turned on by the whole student body, screaming at him, swearing at him, calling him a racist, calling him a bigot, and then ultimately I think he had to resign. But I mean, literally, just because he voiced objection to white people being told that they couldn't come to school. In a culture as politically polarized and aggressively tribalized as ours, how do people change their minds? I'm Georgie Borman, a mother and cultural commentator born and raised on the West Coast. I want to know what we can learn from people who've been on both sides of contentious issues, whether they end up on the right or the left. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the 180 cast. The best thing you can do for anyone is to let them know that they have the power within themselves as an individual. They can achieve. Welcome back to the 180 cast. I'm your host, Georgie Borman. Here on this podcast, we believe in listening to people who have changed their minds and trying to understand why they made a change and how their perspective shifted, what experiences molded that, what influences contributed to that. And we try to do so without jumping down people's throats. That is what this podcast is for. So, There's a movement afoot in this country of people who are posting their stories of political transformation online and just like laying it out there like this is what I used to believe. And, you know, these are the things that started to change my perspective. And they're doing so under the hashtag walk away. You can find tons and tons of these testimonials on YouTube. They're absolutely fascinating to watch. And so I thought we definitely need to have the founder of this campaign on the podcast to talk about his personal transformation and how it kicked off this whole movement of people who are leaving the Democrat Party and leaving behind the label of liberalism. So here with me today is Brandon Strzok. He is the founder of Walk Away. And as I understand it, I think it's about to celebrate celebrate its one-year anniversary in a few weeks. Is that right? That's right. Uh, on May 8th. Well, actually, okay, so 
the anniversary is is actually on May 26th, uh, but we're having a big party at Trump International in Washington, D.C. on May 18th to celebrate the anniversary. That is awesome. Thank you. That sounds like so much fun. I would probably come, but I'm very pregnant right now. Oh, uh, where do you <laughs> so live? I can't. I live in Washington State, so all the way across. Uh, how far along are you? 29 weeks. I don't see. You have to do the math for me. How many months is that? That's like... About seven months, almost seven months. Congratulations! Yeah, you'll be you'll be getting really close by the time we actually get to the anniversary. Yeah, but I am excited for you, and I can be excited all the way from over here. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for joining me. All right, so you used to consider yourself a liberal, and in one of your videos, you said that the same reasons you that you joined liberalism for are basically the same reasons why you had to leave the Democratic Party behind. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, like like way back when, when you were a liberal? How did you, when did you start to identify yourself as a liberal to begin with? And what were your reasons for that? And then we can talk a little bit more about like how you, ended up leaving that label behind sure um so i I mean it's it's not as though i intentionally went out trying to find a group or a party or you know an ideology to belong to i you know i'm um i'm a gay man and i grew up in the 80s and the 90s and i you know i grew up at a time and in a geographic location you know that being uh rural nebraska where homophobia was, you know, a pretty significant part of the culture and Mm. something that I experienced and I dealt with all the time. And so um, also, you know, this little tiny town that I grew up in 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 Nebraska was a very Catholic uh, community. I went to Catholic uh, grade school and high school. My entire education has been to the Catholic school system. And so, you know, the religious view of homosexuality was always something that was um, very, you know, sort of uh, a part of my own sort of uh, understanding and perception, I think, of mm-hmm. the world. Basically, my point is that I, you know, I was growing up in a time and place where I was very aware that being gay was not something that was really widely accepted by the people around me. But I always got, you know, the understanding and the messages that you know, liberals were more open and accepting of gay people than conservatives. And at that time, I think that that's true. I mean, I don't think that I changed my mind in any way about that, other than the fact that I think that the media exploits and, and exploited back then, too, the idea that all conservatives were homophobic and all Republicans were homophobic and that that was you know, kind of a a core central part of the belief system for people on the right. And what I really think is that a lot of people on the right are just very quiet. You know, there's a reason why they call them the silent majority. So I think that there are people all along who weren't necessarily anti-gay or homophobic or whatever, but they just didn't really speak up very much. So I naturally gravitated toward liberals and Democrats because you know, a lot of the arguments that I heard when I was growing up against gay people and homosexuality were just wrong. I mean, it was just people saying, you know, people choose to be gay 
and gay people recruit children and, you know, that gay people are pedophiles. I mean, they were just so wrong about all these things that they said. And so I had a natural sort of rejection towards people on the right. And I felt like I fit in more with people on the left because I felt like they were uh, more emotionally evolved, more um, culturally evolved. And so I kind of went along without question, I think, with a lot of the liberal ideology because I just assumed, you know, they, they were so uh, they were uh, understanding, I think, about what it meant to be gay. And, you know, they didn't seem to have those same mis, uh, misconceptions that people on the right did. So they were probably right about everything else, too. So I, so I ended up just kind of going along with and agreeing with a lot of what liberals thought without question. And then it wasn't really un until time went on and we got to these last you know, five plus years that I, I see how the ideology of liberalism, in my opinion, has changed so much. And I think that at this point, it's liberals that have become the, the uh, emotionally underdeveloped, uh, culturally underdeveloped uh, bullies and uh, name callers and violent. And uh, I, you know, I think that the majority of the wrongdoing is happening on the left. And that's what I mean when I say I'm leaving for the same re All the things that I became a liberal for are the same reasons why I'm leaving. Because um, I, I, came to, I became a liberal because I thought that they were against racism. I thought they were against, uh, you know, judging people based off of their sexuality. I thought that they were against uh, gender discrimination. And now I think that they are the main proponents of those very things. Can you? point to any um, specific instances like along this journey where you were like wow that wasn't what I expected from the people who are supposed to be my friends who are supposed to be backing me up are you talking about after I left yeah well we'll just um like in in the process of like coming to this realization that the left is Oh, as you say, um, becoming a lot less tolerant and responsible for a lot of the wrongdoing. Were there any, like, because I've seen, you know, that video that you put together that's like six minutes or whatever. It was really well done. Like, all of those headlines that are clipped into it about, um, you know, like white privilege and things like that. Were there any specific moments where you were like, I, like, what? Like, I didn't think that we were for that well yeah i mean there's a, a, many 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 um one of the things yeah one of the i mean the, the, there's so many that i could pick but uh before i ended up actually making the decision to just to leave to walk away um there was an incident that happened at a college called evergreen evergreen college or evergreen universe i think it's evergreen college yes so you're familiar with this? Yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of people aren't. It's surprising. A lot of people don't even know that. And, and I hope that anyone listening will Google this after they finish listening. Um, but there's a, a college. It's Evergreen College, right? Not un university. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, basically, they uh, it's a very progressive college. Uh, and they decided to have this uh, initiative, you know, I guess in the past they participated in these things where to try to raise quote unquote, you know, cultural awareness and, uh, you know, in the, in the, in, 
in an effort to, you know, raise awareness for social justice issues. Um, they would do these different initiatives, like, you know, where a day that people could opt out, uh, where like maybe black people would opt out of coming to school. So then, you know, to help raise awareness for, the, I don't know, the, the, the benefits that black people bring to them, whatever. Well, anyway, they, they changed it a couple of years ago and they came up with this initiative where it was, they called day without a white person day. And rather than making it an optional thing, basically what they said was, if you are white, you have to stay home. And then uh, some people, some white people, I think, opted not to stay home. And then, of course, they got attacked and called racists and bigots for not going along with this this thing that were you know where they were they were told they had to stay home. Well, one of the professors at this college, who is a, a liberal, who is a progressive. Um, voiced objection to this and said, look, I think this has gone a step too far. It's like, if we want to do this like opting out day, that's something, but telling people based off of their skin color that they cannot come and then harassing them if they do is, is beyond what, you know, what, what it is that we're trying to accomplish here. And for simply expressing that opinion, then he got turned on by the whole student body who, I mean, there's video footage that people can watch of like him being literally encircled by just a whole horde of students, screaming at him, swearing at him, calling him a racist, calling him a bigot. And then they ended up getting him, uh, I think they demanded that he be fired. And then ultimately I think he had to resign. But I mean, literally just because he voiced objection to white people being told that they couldn't come to school. And it was, I remember at that moment being like, oh, my God, something very sick and very sinister is happening here in the name of, quote, unquote, equality and justice. And that certainly was far from the first example. It was one, it was one of the most extreme examples, but it was far from the only example. And so it was, it was, I think, around that time that I realized that lines were being crossed for me, like totally unacceptable. And I knew, I was like, I, I don't think that this is what it used to be. And I don't think that I can any longer be a part of this. Yeah. So w would you say that your brand of liberalism was more of the, the classic b brand from, I guess, the 90s or before my time, um, where it's like that those boilerplate ideas, like I totally disagree with what you say, but I'll defend till the death your right to say it. Like that kind of, were you that kind of liberal? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I suppose that there were probably parts of me at that time that felt like there are certain things that shouldn't be said or be allowed to be said, um, which is not really how I feel anymore. Uh, and, and mostly I felt that way at that time because I bought into the notion that was being fed to me that, you know, white supremacy could potentially be a, a big problem for us here or, you know, and, and I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, now that I'm on, I am on the right now, um, I am a Republican now, which is, you know, kind of unbelievable, but that is what, you know, where my transition led me. But I, now that I know Republicans well, and I'm mostly around conservatives all the time, like, this whole notion of white supremacy is such a joke. I mean, it's like we're literally like the percentage of people in this country who are like actually really white supremacists mm -hmm. probably wouldn't even register, you know, on on a meter. So it's like them mm -hmm. constantly trying to sell us this idea that white supremacy is like this huge, 
you know, growing problem in this country is just absurd. And anyway, so yeah. I, I don't know how to answer your question in terms of, I mean, I, I, a lot of people say, oh, I'm a classical liberal, you know, um, and I don't know, I guess maybe I'd have to research the definition of classical liberal a little bit more. I just know that all I cared about was that fairness and equality, really. I mean, just that very basic thing. And I believed liberals when they told me that women made less money than men and that women were treated unequally. And I believed that, you know, black people were still oppressed in this country. And I believe that because, you know, a lot of these different groups were supportive of me and other LGBT people at a time when we legitimately did not have the same rights as other people and mm. literally were not like living with the same experience that other people were having in terms of how we were treated and what we could and could not do. Um, and that's really all I cared about. I just cared about everybody having a, a fair and equal shot, which actually is a very Republican uh, value, uh, you know, right. uh, guarantee of equal uh, opportunity but not necessarily mm -hmm. equal outcome yeah so you mentioned for instance you know like the wage gap and things like that when did those sorts of myths begin to unravel for you like were those specific topics or like you know white supremacy or the wage gap you know sexism things like that were were those pretty uh involved in like figuring out unraveling that maybe the story that the media gave you wasn't quite accurate. Were those pretty important to your transition? Yes, they were. Um, so I ended up voting for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and I believed the media when they told me that Donald Trump was a racist and a bigot and, you know, all these terrible things. And um, so after he got elected, I was horrified and I was, like, devastated. And, you know, and I was— posting constantly on social media trying to understand like why did anyone vote for him why did you guys do this what were you thinking and one day i posted you know i'll never be able to understand how any of you could vote for a man who stood before a cheering crowd and mocked a reporter's disability like what is wrong with you and that's when somebody reached out to me and sent me a youtube video um entitled debunking that trump mocked the disabled reporter which was a compilation of footage uh, showing Donald Trump doing that same voice and that same gesture that he did that day when he was, quote, unquote, mocking the reporter's disability. But it makes it very clear that this is just sort of a voice and a gesture and a bit that he does and has done for many years when he's imitating somebody who is groveling or they're caught in a lie. You know, they've done mm. something shady. Had nothing to do with reporter's disability. And that was mind-blowing to me. Um, like, I didn't even know that, like, the liberal media was capable of completely creating a lie or, you know, taking something out of context and, and you know, spinning a narrative to try to appeal to people's, uh, you know, deeply felt, uh, you know, biases and, and their emotions, you know, to try to manipulate people. And so once I realized that, I started researching, like, when else have they done this? You know, like, how, what other things did I think happened that didn't really happen? And so I spent many months doing a lot of research and, you know, you know how it is on YouTube when you're like, you're watching a video and then that leads you to another video. Oh, and that totally. Leads you to another video. Yeah. And <laughs> so over the course of months as I was doing research, that's when I started kind of going down this rabbit hole and discovering all these different things. And I started watching these videos about the wage gap, about racism, about whatever, and starting to really see for the first time in my life how these things are all intertwined, how they're interconnected, and how these lies 
work and why why they work, why they're doing what they're doing. And that's when because I don't think that if I if it, if it wasn't for Donald Trump and the extreme way in which he disrupted my psyche, the way he disrupted my emotional state, the way he disrupted the, the collective consciousness of the country, I don't think without that that earthquake, I would have been willing and open to listening to all of these other things and going down that rabbit hole. But that's when I started discovering this stuff and starting to fully understand, oh, my God, the wage gap, that's a lie. Like, it, it, or at least the conclusion that they come to about why women are making less money or why black people are making less money or, you know, uh, this, you know what I mean? The, the, everything yeah. that they do, they try to yeah. tell you, well, it's because of racism. It's because right. of sexism. It's because whatever. And I started to see, oh, my God, like, I get it now. They're, this is all a manipulation mm -hmm. of the truth. And mm -hmm. it's all done with, with the goal of maligning a group of people, which are basically heterosexual white people, particularly men. And it's all done to try to attain political power. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up the the role of of Trump in all this, because I've noticed after like binge watching a bunch of walkaway videos that most of them like go like mention Trump specifically and how they started listening to him. And they were like, wait a minute, what this guy says makes a lot of sense, like building a wall, you know, that I hadn't thought about that, but that makes sense to me. Um, so do you think so that that you said basically, you know, that's helped you into a turning point and it seems like it's the same for a lot of other people so do you think that if somebody else had been let's say ted cruz had won the nomination do you think that the same transformation would have happened or how do you think things would have played out i know that's slightly hypothetical but what, what do you think no i like the question it makes me think um Geez, I mean, I just have to believe that if Ted Cruz or Mitt Romney or, you know, one of the traditional sort of Republican guys got nominated, I don't think I think I would have just been very sad and disappointed that Hillary Clinton had lost. And I would have been like, oh, my God, America is just like it's taking so long for America to evolve to the point of, you know, real enlightenment, the kind of enlightenment that Barack Obama has, the kind of enlightenment that Hillary Clinton has. But no, I don't think that there would have been that disruption that would have shaken me awake. And I mean, that's what, you know, Donald Trump was an earthquake that shook me awake. Yeah. So you also mentioned um, that the media have been sort of maligning a specific group of people, like basically white, white people, uh, middle class, upper class white people, especially, um, you seem to, from what I, from what I've heard from you already, you seem to have like a pretty strong grasp on the whole idea of social justice and privilege theory. Was this part of your like YouTube rabbit hole journey to understanding that? Or like who, who have you been listening to? Who have you found influential on that topic? Okay. So I, I definitely can name some names for you, but um, I have been told that before. People say to me, you seem to have gotten this really quickly and you seem, um, you know, very kind of advanced on that. And that's interesting because to me, I feel like honestly kind of stupid. Like I'm like, I can't believe I, I, I believed all of this for as long as I did. And I, and 
it's sort of like, you know, I don't know. It's like putting on a pair of glasses and then you see the world clearly and you're like, oh, my God, how did like I didn't realize this was going up like so many other people realized it. I didn't realize it. So I'm always amazed when someone tells me, oh, you seem to have gotten it very quickly. I'm like, are you kidding? I feel like I'm like the last person to get on the, <laughs> the boat. Um, but but thank you for the compliment, nonetheless. Um, when I started going down the rabbit hole, I, I became open for the first time in my life to listening to conservative thinkers like uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, you know, some of the ones that I think were a little more outrageous at first or a little more triggering, controversial. And But then I started listening to some of the more kind of um, – maybe less outrageous, but more just sort of traditional, like Fox News. Like, I love Tucker Carlson. And mm -hmm. Tucker is one of my absolute favorite uh, debaters, and he's one of my absolute favorite thinkers. Because, um, like, Tucker Carlson, in my opinion, has a, a talent and a skill for presenting information and organizing thought and information in such a way that it's just like it makes it so crystal clear what's actually happening what the motivations are behind what's happening and every time i listen to tucker do a monologue i i feel uh intellectually enriched and i also feel completely jealous because i'm like <laughs> why couldn't i think to say it like that you know um <laughs> And it's a, you know, that's just like a cross I'm going to have to bear for the rest of my life that I'll, I'll never have Tucker's brain. Yeah, I feel that way about Ben Shapiro, to be honest. I'm like, man, I should have said it that way. It's true. And Ben Shapiro is very, very smart. And I have a huge respect for Ben Shapiro. But where I'm able to draw a line, particularly, mm -hmm. you know, between those two men or him and many other people is that I, I personally, this is just my opinion. Uh, ben Shapiro, to me, has uh, he's emotionally stunted in a way that I find unappealing. He's very, very intellectual. He's cerebral. Like I, I think he's a genius intellectually. But human beings are more than just intellectual. We're more than just I mean, we're not just robots. We're not just brains, you know, that are we're we are emotional. And he's so consumed with facts over feelings. Like, I, I don't like people uh -huh. who, who completely dismiss feelings. I mean, right. we human beings are feeling people, and we, we need to—I mean, there's got to be a balance of that, yeah, too. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting that you brought that up, because this kind of segues into something I wanted to ask you about, which is, like, okay, so from my perspective, I—like, politics is a huge part of my life, because I'm a writer, and I write about politics and culture, and— and the walk away movement, it seems to be very um, like party identity is very wrapped up in it. You know, like it's mostly about leaving the Democrat Party versus leaving like a very specific um, sort of boxed ideology. And it seems what struck me is just the simplicity of the way that these people are making their decisions that just seems very straightforward they're like well this party over here i found out doesn't align with my values and this party is much more aligned with my values so i'm going to go to this party whereas we have this whole class of you know especially um people on the right of conservatives and neoconservatives who are just absolutely obsessed with the, you know, the corruption of the, the party and imposing um, purity tests and uh, making all of these very cerebral calculations about what to do next. And it does often feel like they're missing the obvious. It's like people aren't making decisions the same way that you're thinking about all of this. So I feel like you've really 
you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of like there's a there is a certain disconnect between you know the way that Ben Shapiro talks and the way that like normal people who are not totally absorbed in politics sort of see the situation and and make their decisions in the voting well it's true and i mean especially as it pertains i think to certain social issues uh like listen i i absolutely respect the value of making uh wise choices based off of factual information based off of you know truthful statistical facts like i do but when we completely discount emotion, that's I, I think we run into trouble there, too, because there are things about the human experience that cannot be proven under a microscope or can't be proven using math. And for instance, I do believe that some people are born uh, with a gender a, a identity that is different than their biological sex. I believe that there are people who, who are born with spiritually are female who are born in a male body or spiritually are male who are born in a female body. And, you know, that could be perhaps a whole different conversation because where I draw the line with the the transgender movement is the people who are now saying, oh, I'm gender queer, I'm gender fluid, I'm non-binary. That's nonsense. I mean, I do not, I believe that there are two genders. There are male and there are female. But mm-hmm. I do believe that some people are born biologically male and that they are female and that there are, are, is a surgery that can be performed to correct that identity and give somebody free, you know, uh, free somebody from, you know, the imprisonment of their own body and allow them to, to live a happy life. Um, but Ben Shapiro would say, no, we have chromosomes and we have cells that we, we know scientifically <laughs> You know, and I'm like, okay, you're you're being a robot, dude. You're being okay. a robot. Like, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. You would really find interesting an episode that I did with Walt Hare, who. Um, what transitioned and then detransitioned. So I'm just going, sorry, this is just a quick aside for the listener and for you, which I think you might find really interesting because he is not so like that level of, um, he's, he's not robotic. He has been there. Like, uh, what he had to say made me cry. Um, so you might be really interested in that. I'll, I'll send that to you because it, it's just very fascinating. And I'm really interested in having like deep empathetic, and evidence-based conversations about that. But this is a person. What this yeah. is a person who transitioned and then detransitioned. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but you know there are a lot of people who transition and never detransition, and they mm-hmm. live the rest of their lives being very happy with the choice that they transitioned. So I, you know, I object to people, you know, cherry picking people detransition, saying, "Ah, oh, look, this is proof that trans isn't real." So sure, but the conversation is very, very interesting. So. Anyway, just an aside in case you're you're interested in listening to that. And I'm also listen. I'm also see. This is the great thing about this podcast is I hope to build up a database of like opinions from both sides. Like I've gone from you know this side to this side, and then also talk to somebody who's gone from that side to the other side. So yeah. Um, so I just have wrapping up here. I just have one more question for you. And that is if you had just a few minutes to talk to somebody who was about to go into the voting booth and they plan on voting Democrat, just like down the, down the ticket, just voting Democrat. If, if you had a chance to talk to them face to face, how would you address them? Like what, what would you ask them? What would you say? 
Well, if I had time to get into it, I would ask them what their reasons were. And I would think that a lot of them would probably say, well, because the other side is racist and bigoted. And I, you know, I want to make sure that black people in this country get a fair chance and that gay people get a fair chance, whatever. And I would say to them, if it is truly your concern to make sure that black people, brown people, LGBT people, women, et cetera, um, have uh, the greatest opportunity that they can have in this country and, and to make something out of their lives, the best thing you can do for anyone is to let them know that they have a, the power within themselves as an individual. If they work hard, if they study hard, if they try hard in this life, they can achieve uh, the life of their dreams and they can completely change their their background their surroundings or you know wherever they started you can you have the power within you as an individual to change that but the government will never do it for you if, if you put your if you place your all if you place the power in the government to change your life for you you're never going to your life will never change in fact it will you'll probably end up in a much worse place than where you started and so it's really i think about the one and only party that in encourages individuals to do for themselves, and that is the Republican Party. That is an excellent answer. Brandon, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. It has been a pleasure. I really appreciate pr your perspective on the, all of this, and I wish you the best, and especially with your, your one-year anniversary party for Walk Away. Um, where can we catch up with all things Walk Away and any other mischief you may be up to? <laughs> well, uh, what a great question. Um, in terms of all things Walk Away, I just encourage people to check in to walkawaycampaign.com. Now and then we have an outstanding new website that'll be coming soon, uh, probably around the time of our anniversary. And... Um, and then they can follow me on social media at US Minority. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The handle is at US Minority. Um, they could join Walkaway Campaign Group on Facebook. And in terms of the mischief, just keep your eyes on the news because I tend to make my way into the news on a regular <laughs> basis for all of the mischief that I'm making. Okay, good for you. All right. You can follow the podcast on social media at 180cast. If you like the podcast, if you like the format and what we're trying to do here, please give the podcast a review on iTunes. It really, really helps in getting this program in front of a larger audience. Um, you can also send me your feedback, or if you have your own 180 story that you want to tell, just DM me at 180cast on Twitter, and you can follow my opinions on a variety of political and cultural topics by following me on Twitter at Georgie underscore Borman. Until next time, seek the truth, share your values, and listen with your heart and your mind. God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.